Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. To Romans, we're back to Romans again. Now, when you walk in this door, does anybody know what is written over the doorpost to the sanctuary? Living God's way. Living God's way. I had the privilege this weekend to speak to the men at the Band of Brothers. How many men were at the Band of Brothers? I see a few here that were at the Band of Brothers, had a great time hearing the testimonies of how God delivered people from sin. And I was able to share how God delivered me. And I told people that I wanted to leave a legacy. And that's what I shared with them. And at one time in my life, you would have thought it would have been an impossibility. Because I said, or some had said, I'd either be dead or in jail by the time I was 20 years old. But the glory of God, when he comes in you and comes in me, and did come in me, he will not allow you to remain the same. For that same Holy Spirit was present at creation, creating the heavens and the earth. How in the world or in God's name can you claim to believe in him and him not change you from the inside out? God is in the business of changing you from the inside out. And then you learn to live his way. He's the one. He is the one that causes you and me to desire to live for him. Do you, this morning, desire to live for God? And if you do, guess what? You can't even pat yourself on the back for that. Because the Bible said it is God that is at work in you, causing you to hunger and thirst to live according to him. Live God's way everywhere you go, every day of your life, in everything you do. When you mess up, when, you, when that is your goal, when that is your desire, you will mess up. And you ask God to forgive you and bathe in his forgiveness and his mercy. So that's the title of the series on the book of Romans, teaching us to live God's way. It's a whole new way after you get saved. Here's how you used to live according to the dictates of the flesh. And then you get saved and I told people all of a sudden I began to talk about someone I never even met. He was my best friend. And I began to talk about a kingdom I never visited. And I began to talk about a moral way of living that was totally the opposite of the way I was used to living. And only God can cause that to happen. Blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. Well, you're fortunate to be here today because last week was very refreshing about learning who God is working through, missionaries, missions, and how we're a part of what's happening all over the world. Aren't you glad you're a part of what's happening all over the world and the souls that are being saved because you take part in giving and supporting missionaries and their assignments? Well, 
Also, today we come to Romans chapter 5. That's where we left off. So if you'll turn in your Bibles or on your phones, I'm assuming if you're on your phone, you have a Bible app and you're not texting someone or looking at Instagram or Facebook. Amen? Or TikTok. Is it TikTok or TikTok? TikTok. Okay. TikTok. I see, I got a TikTok right now. I think I'll have one. My throat was getting dry. Reasons for rejoicing. Now, please, please, please understand my heart. I am rejoicing because I can go into stores and not wear a mask. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wait, wait, wait. I'm almost getting Pentecostal now. Now, now that doesn't mean, please, please, please. That doesn't mean I'm against someone that does wear a mask. You may have to, um, you, listen, kids. Listen, you, okay, we can all agree on this. Do kids have to wear a mask? Why in the world is our powerful, smart, intellectual people making our children wear masks in the schools? Well, anyways, that's not my sermon this morning. But I, I was thinking of a reason to rejoice that I can walk in stores. I didn't do it anyhow. Walk in stores and not wear a mask. And in fact, I was so embarrassed the other day. We're, we're trying to look at who as a church we're using for our phone service. And, and my secretary went with me and I was bad. First of all, I didn't want to wear the mask when I went in. Jacob, you do the same thing, right? We walk in to see if, uh, if they're going to make us wear the mask. And so then we go in and then, uh, so he says, pull it over your nose. I said, I can't breathe if I put it over my nose. So I pulled it down, put it over your nose. And I, and I, for, I got fleshly. I said, is there anybody big enough in here to make me pull it over my nose? Yes, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the manager. We're calling the cops on you. Oh, why did I think that way? Why did I say that? I came back and I had to apologize to my secretary. That's not how a, a pastor or a Christian should act. I was wrong. I'm sorry. But it felt so good to put them in their place. <laughs> So I am rejoicing that I can go work out and not wear a mask. I don't know if I can go to Publix yet. Can you go to Publix yet? No. Oh, hallelujah. I can finally smell again the good meat and the, and the good vegetables and the fruit and the bakery. Oh, my goodness. I stay away from that section. So you have reasons for rejoicing. Well, in Romans 5... Paul gives us some reasons for rejoicing, but remember, it all goes back to God. He's discussing with them to the Jewish people in Rome and to the Christians in Rome who are trying to maintain their faith in God or their righteousness in God by their works or by keeping the law. They're trying to get saved by keeping the law. And so the good news is Paul is reminding them, listen, just sit back and relax and understand that your forefather, Abraham, did not keep the law. He did not try to work his way into heaven. But the scripture clearly says in Romans 4 that God credited his account righteousness because he believed God by faith. And so I believe Romans 5 extrapolates this even a little bit further. So let's look at it. Reasons for rejoicing. And I'm thinking right now, they're numerous, beginning in verse 1. 
First of all, we have peace with God. Verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is this so important? Let me remind you why this is important. If you don't know the flip side of the coin, then you can't rejoice. Let's look at the flip side of the coin, Romans 8, 7. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and never will. Do we remember what it was like when we were lost? We didn't obey God's laws, just like some of you don't obey the speed limits. We do not obey God's laws. Another one, Colossians 121, reminds us why we can rejoice today. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, separated from God. This is why we rejoice. Romans 5.10, one more. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So we rejoice that we have peace with God. I remember very clearly when I did not have peace with God, I was afraid to die because I knew I was not at peace with my creator. So I rejoice in the fact now that I've confessed my unbelief and believe in him and the peace of God is given to you and me when we call out for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And here's what he said he does. In John 14, 27, he said, I am leaving you with a gift. What is that gift? The peace of mind and the heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Aren't you glad this morning for the peace that God gives us, especially in all the turmoil that's been taking place over the last year. Something else that he has given us, notice in verse 2, through him we also have obtained access by faith. You know what? I will switch um, versions and get to the one I believe that's on the board. It's the New Living Translation. If you'd like to follow us at home or hear the New Living Translation, it says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we are confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We have access to God. I don't know about you, but isn't it nice to know somebody that will get you in a place that you can't get in? You, you have access because you have privilege with someone. Ephesians 2.18 reminds us of that. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. I, I think about access to God. You have to remember the Jewish people did not have that kind of available access. They had to go through the priest and the high priest. And when I was raised as a, as a, a religious person, I used to have to go someplace to confess my sins. So they stayed all with me until I came to that priest and I dumped them on him. And then he had to deal with it. 
We don't have to do that anymore. We can confess our sins. We have access to the throne because of what Jesus has done for you and me. I know, listen, it's nice to hobnob around the rich and the famous once in a while. I remember I, I got to sit down with Bobby Bowden right next to him. He was my, my, my hero as a, as a coach, a great godly Christian coach. Man, it's tough to be a Christian coach, yet be in the business for over 20, 30 years. And everywhere he went, everyone knew, even more than Tebow, that he is a godly Christian man. And I got to sit down with him and take my picture. And once in a while, I'll pull it out of my phone and I'll show everybody, hey, I know Bobby Bowden. Well, is he your friend? Yeah, look at right here. I got the picture. <laughs> and some other people, you and me both um, have pictures of. I also remember being able to go down in, on the actual floor of the Miami Heat. They lost at the last second yesterday, but the Miami Heat right there on the floor and stand right next to Shaq. Oh, I didn't know if I was standing next to a pole or I was standing next to Shaq, but it was the Shaq. And, and, and uh, this guy that I went with, he was a uh, pyrotech guy, and, um, and you know all those fireworks would go off right there in the middle of the floor. They don't do that anymore. But I had, had to go through the tunnel where all the players go through and, and be able to go out there on the floor and stand right next to the players. By the way, that heat, you could feel it. And we had to make sure everything was pulled off all right. But it, it's nice to know some people and have access to places that you normally wouldn't get to go to, like the box seats up in the Panther Stadium. Every once in a while, I get to go there because we use a machine that Xerox or someone else gave to us. And, and so we have access to the box seats because we have or use their product. It's, it's kind of nice. It's kind of cool once in a while to have that. Well, guess what? You have access to God. Every day of your life, anywhere, at any time, 24-7. I work out at a place that says 24-7, and I went there yesterday, and they're closed at 7 o'clock. I don't understand that. <laughs> but you do have access to God 24-7. Also, in verse, the latter part of verse 2, notice he said, um, We joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And in Romans 8, 17, it adds something a little bit more to that. And it says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Some, we love the first part of that, but we do forget about the last part of that, sharing in his suffering. But that's not what this message is about, sharing in his glory. You know, I, I see these athletes that win lots of money and have a lot of trophies, and we can't go to their homes and their humongous homes and, and, and visit all the places in their home. They have theaters in their home. They have uh, bowling alleys in their home. They have basketball courts in their home. It'd be kind of cool to be able to go into those places. In fact, I was... I was with someone yesterday at the, at the uh, Band of Brothers, and he said he's an architect. I think it's one of our friend's friends, Alex's friend, Philip. And he said he's doing a 60, over 60,000 square foot home, one of the 25 largest homes in America up there in Pembroke Pines. And, and he's, he's the architect for that, I guess, to doing some renovations. It'd be kind of cool to be in that home. You'd get lost in that place. Guess what? Jesus said he is going to share with you and me, his glory. 
So when you see that word, that God, you can rejoice because God's going to share his glory, have a little bit of a greater understanding what that is so you can get excited about dying, that he's going to share his glory with you. None of these other athletes are going to share their glory with you, trust me. None of these other wealthy people are going to share their glory with you. Just ask them if you can borrow their, you know, their Lamborghini and see how far you get. God is going to share his glory. In fact, he shares some of that even right now. Something else in this passage, notice that we can rejoice about. Verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confidence or our confident hope of salvation. We can rejoice that problems have a positive outcome. Yes, problems that God allows you to um, experience, he says he has a good outcome for them. Now, you know the passage that God gave us that helps us understand this even a little bit better, Romans 8, 28. Many of you can repeat it by heart. For all things, or and we know that God causes everything, not some things, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I remember sharing my salvation message with uh, people yesterday, the day before, Friday. And even when you're lost, God knows you're going to be saved. I personally believe that you and me were protected and the enemy could not mess with us. I believe we were marked. I believe we were marked and the enemy couldn't mess with us because sometimes you should have been dead and I should have been dead. But we were marked. We were protected God allowed those problems. I'm glad I went through what I went through because I probably would have never called upon the name of the Lord and asked Jesus in my heart because I thought, along with a lot of other men, that Christianity was for sissies. That's the world's view of Christianity. But how wrong they are. Christianity is for warriors. Another thing that we can rejoice in, of course, we sing about it so much is God's love. Just before I say something about that, I really, truly, truly mean it, and many of you know this personally also. I did not know what love was until I met Jesus. So I understand what he's saying to you and me when he says that he loves us. Do you really mean that when you look at your spouse and say, I love you? In fact, if your spouse is sitting right next to you, say, I see a couple up here, say, I love you. Honey, I love you. I see you over there, okay? Can I hear it back, please? <laughs> you ever say that, I love you? I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear you say anything. That's because I'm mad at you right now. No, she's not. You ever done that? God doesn't do that. So start acting like God, spouse. That's what you need to say to your spouse next time when they do that. God doesn't do that. He loves you through the thick and thin. Verse 5 through 8, let's read that. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, that is, these trials and burdens and problems. For we know how dearly God loves us. 
How do we know that? Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, remember that? Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone may perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. Amen. God proved his love, first of all, in in these verses by giving us another gift. God has lavished on his children many gifts. The world doesn't understand the gifts that we enjoy, but we understand them. One of the gifts is the Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, 49, he reminds us, you don't have that. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just before he left the apostles. Just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on high or from heaven. And then in Acts 2, 38 through 39, when it was actually coming to take place, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Christ to show that you've received forgiveness for your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Spirit. The promise is to you and to your children and even to all the other nations. It says Gentiles, but to all the other nations, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Another point I'd like to rest on right here. A lot of times when God says he's given us a gift, it's it's not like a tree and there's gifts under the tree and you can see the gifts. How do I really know I have the gift of the Holy Spirit? Now, I believe in all the gifts in the Bible, including the gift of speaking in tongues. Everyone asks me all the time, including this weekend, do you believe in the full gospel? Do you believe in the gifts? Listen, I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit but I believe in the proper administration of all those gifts. Amen? I believe in the gifts, but if someone's going to prophesy over me and say, in the name of God, he told me to tell you, it better come true, or I'm never listening to you again. If someone's going to speak in a tongue, you better have an interpreter. I'm going to ask you, sit your, sit your caboose down. And if you get interrupted me, I'm going to ask some men to take you out. I don't mean this way, I mean... This way, you know. So I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But one of the ways, see, when I first got saved in the 70s, Orthodox Pentecostalism said, okay, you got saved. Now, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And have you spoken tongues to give proof that you are a child of God? Nothing like that happened to me. Am I not a child of God? Here's what the Bible really tells you. Here's how you can know that you have the Holy Spirit in you. All I can do is give you my example, and many of you will say, yes, I agree. Like I told those men this weekend, all of a sudden, I fell on my knees and said, God, I surrender. All of a sudden, I got up from that place. I didn't feel anything. I didn't speak in another language. 
Actually, I stopped speaking another language. I used to say F, 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 and I filled in the blank with a couple English words. It left me almost overnight. I mean, I'm literally telling you, you try to quit cussing just like that. I lied all the time. Every day I lied, knocked on doors, trying to sell magazines and lied. It left me. I, I knocked on the next door. I'm selling magazines. Would you like to buy one? lying left me. Can some of you relate right now? Immediately that left me. I remember, I told you before, macho guys don't pray, right? Fathers don't pray. Dads don't pray, do they? Big athletes, they don't pray, do they? I was praying right after I got up off my knees, and I didn't know how to pray. All I was going was, Hail Mary, full of the grace of the Lord, with thee, blessed thou most of the Our Father, right in heaven, I'll be there. See, I was taught when you sin, they'd pile up a whole bunch of prayers that you'd have to say, and I'd make a beeline to the altar, and I'd dump all those prayers out the altar, and lickety split, I'd make it out the door, and wow, I'm free to do what I want. And I was praying that, and this guy walked by me and said, What are you doing? I said, I'm praying. Oh, and he left. I would have never said, you got to understand, I wouldn't have done that at all. I didn't want anybody to know I needed anything, even though deep down inside I was crying out for something. Can you relate? That's the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you. Can I go on a little bit further? I began to talk about Jesus like we've known each other for 20 years. Anybody that would listen, I would tell them about Jesus. I didn't even know him. Hadn't even read about him. All of a sudden, I began to read a book. It had no pictures in it. <laughs> the King James Version of all things. It's a good book. It's a good book. King James is okay, you King James fans out there. But there are some other translations that I like. I hated Shakespeare in school. And the King James always reminded me of Shakespeare. I began to read, devour this book. I got on my 10-speed and made a beeline to the church. As soon as I got off work, I'd come to the altar and start reading that King James Version. And pretty soon in five minutes, I would be out. But I, I, I was there. God, I'm reporting for duty. And I would pray and try to read. All this happened. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was given to me. I couldn't see him. I couldn't feel him. I didn't know what he looked like. But my body, oh, it knew because my body was held down while the Holy Spirit lived. And I began to evangelize everywhere I went, even though I only had a ninth grade education at that time. Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? Do you have the gift of the Holy Spirit in you? And when you sin, does the Holy Spirit convict you that you have sinned? so you can quickly get right with God. That's another piece of evidence. Notice I haven't even touched, touched the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that I believe are for mature people to use because they know how to give God the glory. He hasn't entrusted me with some of those gifts because I wouldn't have known how to give him the glory. But I'm still praying for the gift of healing, for that, that guy that's out there at the pickleball court. Have I said anything about pickleball lately? Well, today I did. He's out at the pickleball court, and he's in a chair, and he's a, a war veteran. I want so desperately to walk up to him and say, how long have you been there? Get up in the name of Jesus. I don't want the glory, honestly. 
And then everybody's going to watch, and I get to do what Peter did and tell them about Jesus. I really, really want to do that. You pray that God, listen, not me. It doesn't have to be me. It could be anybody. It could be a group of us. But I don't think I could have handled that 20, 30 years ago. The point is, rejoice that you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you don't have any of these symptoms, any of these ways, you probably need to invite Jesus into your life and confess that you have not lived for him. Because that's some of the evidence. It's not all the evidence that you have the Holy Spirit in you. Can you rejoice with me that you have the Holy Spirit? How about he also proved to us that he, in that, those same verses that he loved us by many acts and deeds. Notice in these verses he said that he loved us while we were utterly helpless. Christ came just at the right time and died for us sinners. We had no way to get right with God. But isn't it amazing? Man has come up with a, a thousand and one ways to get right with God. But we had no way to get right with God. And at the right time, he made a way that we could be right with God while we were sinners. Not while we were righteous and good, but while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Greater has no man, no love than this. Greater love has no man than this. Then he laid down his life for us. So not only did he give us the gift of the Holy Spirit to prove that he loved us, but he also laid down his life for us. And then God reminds us with that beautiful passage, you don't need to say very quickly, John 3.16. Can you say it with me? Is it on the, is it on the screen, John 3.16? It is. Oh, am I reading the right one? Well, there it is. Are you ready? For God so loved the world. I think everybody was just speaking in tongues here just a minute ago. <laughs> you know what happened? What, what happened? People were remembering it automatically because of the translation that they remembered it. How many remembered it? King James raised their hand, see? How many remembered the NL, it was saying the NLT, see? No, nobody was reading the NLT on the board. <laughs> How many? ESV. ESV. The good news. Uh, NIV. Okay, I got NIV. So you, everybody was speaking in a tongue, but I'll interpret it. Here it is. For God so loved the world so much that he gave us his one and only son that whoever, anyone that believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Again, by the way, salvation doesn't come when we start living better, but while we were sinners. How about God's deliverance from his wrath? Verse 9 and 10. Let's read that. Amen? Well, let's read it. And since we have been made right in God's sight, by the blood of Christ, I like that. Since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, he will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Wrath. Let me just say something about wrath. First of all, Romans 8 reminds us. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation. The enemy really, really hounds all believers with this. For those who belong to Christ. 
And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, when you read the book of Revelation, don't be afraid. And when you hear the government telling us all kinds of things, you're going to get sick and die. Trust me, this, is just, this was just a dry run. What happened last year, I'm afraid, guys, because I believe we're living in the last days. I believe it was just a dry run. So if you can't find the truth in all this, there's a lot of things I would like to say to you about things that I've learned in the last year and a half, but I'm afraid some of the people of God can't handle it because they're thinking I'm going to get political and I'm not. I'd like to tell you a lot of things that I've learned and I've passed on to my family and my children, but if you don't want to believe it, that's fine, but just go to the CDC, CDC site and go to the WHO site. They will indict themselves. For example, should I say anything? Well, go ahead, preacher. Go ahead. You, I, don't, I don't have to live in hot water. You have to live in hot water. What, what, I see you looking over there, uh, Cheryl. <laughs> it reminds me of my wife. What's he going to do next? What's he going to say next? <laughs> see what you got to look forward to when Jacob gets separate all the time. Well, we know this for sure. We know this for sure that the vaccine has not been federally approved. Amen? It's not been approved. There, I mean, hydroxychloroquine was approved, and they said, we don't approve of it. Something's wrong, and if that doesn't get your bell ticking, you're going to be taken hook, line, and sinker by the devil. The Bible says even some of the believers can be deceived because you got your head stuck in the sand. I'm not being political. Those politicians don't mean anything to me. What does God's word say, and what are the facts? What do they say? And there's many other things I could tell you. Now, if you got the vaccine, well, thank you. We pray for you and hope and pray that it's as good as they said it was. Okay, back to my, um, back to the message. Back to the message. My mind was going 90 to nothing. That disc was going like this. My wife was praying for me that I wouldn't say anything else. There's a lot of things to rejoice in. A lot of things to rejoice in, folks. But rejoice that you've been reconciled to God in verse 11. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. You know, I feared God because I grew up in a family, and some of you can relate to this, my dad ruled with an iron fist. And discipline was a god in our home. Do you understand what I mean? Folks have been around for a while. And you didn't talk back to your dad or mother. Or you're liable to get cracked. That's not this generation at all, I can tell you. Sometimes it was good, but sometimes it wasn't so good. And so I pictured God through my mom and dad. 
Mom and dad, be careful how you raise your children. You don't want them to fear God like I feared God. It was wrong how I feared God. I couldn't understand God when I read the Old Testament and even the New Testament. Thank goodness fear worked for the good in your life, in my life, because the Bible teaches us what in Proverbs? The beginning of wisdom is to fear God. That fear led me to do some soul searching, and I did not want to go to hell, nor did I want to face God's wrath. There are people that I'm afraid to meet in an alley. I tell you, one of those guys is a little bulldozer, Alex. That guy's like strong as an ox. Our own Alex, you know, in our church, Rodriguez. There's some folks I wouldn't want to meet in an alley like Reggie. I'd be afraid. They're big, stout guys. Wilbert? I don't know. A little bit. Uh... <laughs> but. I would not want to face God that I've read about in Revelation, would you? That fear ought to work for the good if you're listening for the first time or hearing for the first time. Fear God. The fool says there's no God. So I'm so glad that Jesus has restored your relationship and my relationship with God. 2 Corinthians reminds us of this, chapter 5. All this, he said, this friendship with God, this restoration with God, all is a gift from God, another gift that the world doesn't understand, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Someone did it for you, please turn around and do it for someone else. Someone led me to Christ and restored my relationship with God. You go and restore a relationship with God. Will you do that this week? Will you go out there and restore someone's relationship with God? That is the ministry God has given every single believer listening or here this morning. Just quickly now, as our team comes forward, the basis for rejoicing this, this great News he has given us. When and he, he basically does it very easily. It's self-explanatory. We don't have to spend much time on it. It says when Adam sinned, he, he gives us the explanation. He contrasts two individuals, Adam and Jesus, and gives us the explanation to the Jewish people and in those in Rome how this all took place. Well, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So if someone says they're not a sinner, say, okay, prove it. Don't die. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. He has to explain that to the religious people. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. See, you still died. That meant we're all sinners. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. So here, God explains the entrance of sin and the consequences of sin is death. Now, notice the counteraction, the reversal of sin. Kind of reminds me, reverse Remember when we used to do uh, reverse calls, or what would we call it? Um, reverse the charges, remember that? 
What? Collect. Collect. Or, but you could do the re- collect. You're right. But you could also reverse the charges, right? I remember that. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did as we look at verse 15 through 18. You ready? Notice he said, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Here it is, a reason for rejoicing. The sin of this one mad Adam brought death to many. We know that. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. So many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. Now, this is easy to understand. He explains it to us. You don't need a commentary. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. It's a free gift. Even though we are guilty of many sins. If you think that doesn't need explanation... Think again, because all the religions in the world, most of them, almost all of them, are a works-oriented religion. You have to do something to receive eternal life. Or you have to live one way in order to maintain this gift. He goes on to say, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Sin ruled you and me at one time, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. You have to have that in order to get to heaven. Righteousness. It is a gift. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Overall, you and me should be and are victorious over sin because God has given you me the gift of the Holy Spirit and all the other things that we've been rejoicing about this morning. Overall, we are triumphant. Yes, we lose some skirmishes, but overall, we are triumphant. Then he said, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. The conclusion of the matter is Adam's disobedience made sinners, but Christ's obedience made many righteous. Notice verse 19 again. But one person disobeyed God, and many became sinners. Actually, everyone became sinners except Jesus. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. See how he's trying to appeal to your so-called intellect? Don't you get it? Then he said the law was given to point out and magnify sin, but grace was much greater than that. Notice in verse 20, one more verse and then we're through. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. The speed limit, again, was given to show how sinful you are. You never keep, maybe once in a while you keep the speed limit. And if you don't believe that, I want to see if you stop at every single sign, not to a rolling stop, literally a dead stop where you go backwards and then you go forwards. How many times have you broken that law? Well, you're a sinner then. So it was given to point out that you you don't keep traffic laws. So when that cop does stop you to give you a ticket, you have no excuse Just take your medicine and say, well, I got away with it a lot. I probably deserve this one. 
The law was given to point out and magnify sin, but God's grace was so much greater in verse 20. In the last verse, verse 21, so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, we know that, we remember that, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us a right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A lot of reasons to rejoice this morning. If you're here this morning and there's enough gospel that has been proclaimed to you that you can say, even though this is for believers, but if you're listening in, like I did one time, or some of you did at a Bible study, or at a worship service that was designed for saints, God's speaking to you, telling you, I need to repent. You don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent of your sins. Believe in the truth that God taught us in his word. He said, and you can be saved. Believe that Jesus Christ was a real person that came to this earth and did exactly what the story has told us he did. And call on him and he will save you. And he will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've had no power over sin, then probably you do not have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by believing in Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me at this time? We will continue to worship God by praying at the altar, by singing. If you're online, you can go to the comment section, send us your prayer request, or perhaps you made a decision for Jesus Christ, or you need to learn a little bit more about how to do that. Or you're here this morning. We would love for someone to come down now. We don't live for that here in this service, but we'd love for someone to have the courage to come down and say, you know, for the first time, I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of us testify, I cannot deny that Jesus lives in me because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. He'll give that to you today. Would you come as God leads you? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.